1: Hello, and welcome back to the Boost Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Leonard. As a part of the Small Business Network, I recently had the opportunity to interview Ellen Grelish of Flex Professionals and veteran HR consultant, Stacey Youngress. Our topic was hiring in a COVID world. We tackled questions like how small businesses can balance hiring while minimizing financial risk, tips for interviewing candidates remotely, best practices to terminate an employee in a virtual environment, and so much more. The parts of Boost that this episode addresses are optimize relationships, obtain new leads, and tap into new markets. Let's check it out. This is actually a really exciting topic because, you know, we hear so much now with unemployment skyrocketing, and and we hear about the fact that it's kind of an employer's market because we have such extraordinary talent in the marketplace. So I'd be curious to know from each of your perspectives, how much hiring do you see going on right now in light of the pandemic? uh, Stacy, you wanna kick us
2: off? So I work with just a small amount of companies and they are actually hiring. They are, their business is growing, so they're looking for people what i 'm not seeing is turnover, so unless the business itself is growing you 're not going to see a lot of hiring um, but Ellen, you might you work with a lot more companies than I do so yeah, so well, back in March,
0: what we saw was everybody just froze we didn't fortunately we didn 't see a lot of layoffs, but what we saw was anybody who had plans to hire stopped hiring for a while, and I think um, they just, people didn't know what was going on. And I think at that time people thought, oh, wait, we'll just stop hiring. And then when this is over, we'll start hiring again, thinking, you know, it might be over in a couple months. And, you know, come the summer, people realize this is not going to be over anytime soon. And we have to figure out a way we're either going to, you know, stagnate or we got to figure out a way to continue to do business and grow. And so starting in that June, July timeframe, frame. Uh, we started seeing hiring coming back. Um, and I would say at this point, you know, there's still a lot of unknowns. And with the election and the pandemic still going on, I think we're probably at about 75% of to 80% of pre-pandemic. Um, but keep in mind, that's kind of a generalization because I think there have been winners and losers from an economic and a hiring standpoint in, from the pandemic so that, you know, we're fortunate in the D.C. area that we have and in Montgomery County, there's a lot of health care. There's a lot of IT, um, government contractors that weren't hit as hard. Um, so they're doing okay. And we're seeing that hiring continue. But on the flip side, you know, obviously people in retail, people in hospitality, we had a lot of meeting planners who were let go. And those people have, you um, have not been hired back. So I think overall, it's getting better, but, and there are some industries that are starting to hire more and more and then others that still haven't rebounded yet.
1: Yeah. And it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I was actually going to ask you next, like what sort of trends are you seeing? And I'm sure a big one is this whole notion of remote work and what does remote work look like? And so are you seeing, I'd imagine, an uptick in remote work? And then second part, Um, of that question would be, because I think historically, and correct me if I'm wrong, as we enter the holiday season, we typically see a a dip because people don't tend to hire, unless of course you're retail, Um, but in professional services, for example, it's typically that's a quieter time is what I'd imagine. So do you forecast maybe seeing an uptick as we get closer to the end of the year, because people are trying to make up for some of the hiring that maybe they had to push off earlier on in this year? Well,
0: yeah. First off, we definitely see the hiring trend is all virtual. Most of the interviews are virtual. And, you know, it's funny, we don't see in the professional services, you know, in the IT, in the government contracting, much of a dip come December or January. Um, I mean, it slows down a little bit in December, and then usually we see a huge uptick in January. And so I think companies are planning on continuing to hire. Um, But, you know, you depending on what happens, um, they have to be nimble and they have to be flexible. So I think they were going to have plans to hire. But they know that if um, the economy changes or the pandemic gets worse, then they've got to kind of retreat a little bit. So but overall, I think people are, you know, the trends that I'm kind of seeing is that um, besides virtual work, that geographic boundaries don't exist as much anymore, um, where, you know, a lot of businesses in this area, I still still think, even if they're going to stay partly or all virtual after the pandemic, they like people to be local. And so if you have that one monthly meeting, you know, you can have that FaceTime. But I think there are also businesses that are seeing Wow, I could hire a communications director out of, you know, Arkansas at a lot lower rate than I can out of D.C. And because now I am set up to work virtually, now I have a bigger talent pool. Um, So that's kind of one of the trends that I've been I've been noticing.
1: Yeah. And that's a a great point. It's and, you know, it's on the one hand, it's 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 great for the employer um, because of the fact that it's like, okay maybe I can save some some expenses. But then on the, the downside, it's like when you look at the workforce, it's like, oh, man, I need to make X amount of money in order to survive in the D.C. area. And so it's like, okay yeah, while it's a great benefit, particularly for small business to be able to tap into another talent pool at a lower price point, you then have to scratch your head and wonder, oh, but EGADS, what does that mean for you know local talent where the cost of living is so high? So I would love to hear
2: both of your thoughts on that. Well, I'm going to let you go on that one. I was going to talk more about the remote side of things later, but go ahead.
0: Well, um, well I think one of the things companies... A trend I'm seeing that um, I would um, caution people who are hiring, I think um, business owners think it's a buyer's market. We kind of said that earlier, uh, that um, almost people are lucky to have a job, so I don't necessarily have to offer them the compensation or maybe sell them on the role. And what I would say to that is really top talent is always in demand. So um, you are going to still have to offer people, if they have the experience, if they have the skill sets, um, what they should be valued at. And I have an example of a recent company that was looking for somebody with very specific technical skill set. They were looking for a long time. We found them someone and they offered her the lowest end of the pay range, even though Mm -hmm. she was asking for something a little bit higher. She probably deserved something a little bit higher. And not only that, but they didn't, because it was a great company, they didn't sit her down and... Talk to her about the benefits of coming to the, you know all these great things. You have to sell top talent, and they just kind of took the attitude like, oh, well, unemployment's so much higher. Of course, she's going to come and work for us. And guess what happened? Three days later, she rejected the offer and she took another job. Wow. And so um, that is, I think, a lesson learned for, you know, no matter where the employee lives, if there is somebody that you really, you know, you think is top talent, you're going to have to fight for them, even in this economy.
1: Yeah, good point. Good point. So Stacey, I know you alluded to remote work and all that. What are some of the challenges um, that you're seeing due to the increase in virtual hiring? And what advice might you have for both companies as well as job seekers, given this virtual environment?
2: I think the biggest challenge is getting equipment to them, getting technology. And even once they have the technology, you know, their computers and stuff is that there are days where they lose their internet. Um, I consult for a company that's a call center. And when there's no internet for an employee, they can't make their phone calls. They can't do their job. And so we've had to sort of adjust our, um, remote policy and how much time they can take off without charging with leave when they don't have that. But we've also been a lot more flexible. The companies are a lot more flexible. We would never let someone go visit and work from even international. You know, we're allowing people to go if they're willing to work the hours that we need them internationally, they can go for two or three months. Where in the past, we haven't allowed that. You know, if you want to take that leave off, you take it without working. But now that we know, you know, a large majority, large time the, the technology is working. Mm-hmm. It's great. I mean, we, there was a group of people that all they had were um, desktops. So we had to scramble to get them laptops because they weren't even set up at home. So yeah. even getting equipment is hard. You know, the it department can't buy like laptops now because they're in such demand. We had to change what we're offering to people to work on because that those are the challenges that are coming with that, but total flexibility. And I don't see, a couple of my clients are not going, they were not going to allow any, we had telecommuting policies. Now we have remote work policies. We've changed the whole attitude of how things are, are working. And I love the way that this has allowed companies to learn the flexibility and allowed the stuff that we're talking about. People can work from home, which in the past, they never thought they would or could. So it's been really great. It gives a lot like we've been talking about. You can find talent from other places. You can set up things a lot differently. It's changed the whole attitude. It's awesome. It really is.
1: So Stacey, those are all great points. And I was actually, you know, even the technology being one of the challenges. The other challenge that I was thinking about is what does this world look like? Like how are, how is the workforce and or employers in there being flexible? How are they supporting the workforce in terms of the fact that so many um, employees are wearing multiple hats. They're not only the employee, they're also a school teacher part time. You know, when you think of parents of young children. So, how have you seen the business community sort of flex that flexibility muscle to support parents who are, or, are
2: wearing multiple hats during, throughout the workday? Um, I think, well, I know that some of the time um, they're having more alternative work schedules. So um, eight to eight is the hours that we have. So we're allowing people to work shift hours or um, a little bit in the morning, a little bit more that they make up their eight hours in a different as of, as opposed to straight you know straight through. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot more flexibility on how people are working. A little bit more on part time working. You know if you can't get in the forty hours, you know we we you know benefits are offered up to thirty. So if you want to go down to thirty. You can do that. Um, unfortunately, because it's a call, more of a call center environment, there's not as much flexibility, but for other jobs, total, you know, as long as you get your eight hours in, you're getting your work done, do it when you can, which is great.
1: Yeah, it is. The flexibility that I've seen take place. It's, it's a new muscle that we're all learning. Right. But it's, it's nice to see that, both sides are leaning into that. Ellen, did you have something to add on yeah, that? Yeah, I think, and I've been a proponent of flexibility for years.
0: That's what your um, whole company I Heck,
1: think there's... Hence, flex
0: professionals, professionals right? Flex <laughs> professionals. <laughs> you put the flex in flexibility. <laughs> there you go. We started it before it was cool. but um, But there is, I think, the downside of virtual work is that if you look at the research, people have been working more than ever. Yeah. that they're working from home. Yeah. And so there it's really important. I think that companies set boundaries and people, individuals set boundaries or there can be a lot of burnout. Um, so what as some examples of what I've seen are um, of companies saying, OK, we're not going to have any more Zoom meetings on Fridays. The people are already getting Zoomed out. Zoom fatigue. Yeah. So, no, it was no Zoom meetings. Or I just heard of a company telling their employees take your email off your phone because it's there's the you know the line between work and home is now very blurred. So I think yeah. um, companies should acknowledge that and also acknowledge that their employees are, you know, do have a lot more responsibilities now. And they are, a lot of women are and, and men are caring for their kids and helping them with math, you know, during school. And so for companies to acknowledge that and also to say, you know, how can we help, right? So maybe before COVID, you know, meetings between 10 and 2 were great for you. But now, you know, maybe between 10 and 11 or 10 and noon, that could be the worst time. Um, so I do think that um, while there's some great, there overall the benefits of, of flexibility outweigh some of the negatives. It's important that um, we uh, acknowledge uh, <laughs> that we acknowledge that companies are um, that employees are struggling, you know, and, and supporting them as much as we can.
2: I've also seen a lot of engagement stuff going on. I mean, I've seen companies offering yoga. And meditation for their employees, um, enriching their employee, um, their employee um, EAP, the employee assistance program, with with um, information for them. Handing out, um, I see newsletters that go out and contests that they have, and even workout sessions that they're offering. Um, one of the companies I work with every Tuesday night have trivia night, and so they make it fun. For their employees so there's a lot of other ways to get them so they're not working that they're having a little bit of fun um especially the trivia night They they engage the whole family i watch every age child on there and and the questions some of them i can't answer but my kids can answer so <laughs> it's, it's really kind of fun to do that Um, they're doing a scavenger hunt for Halloween that's family related. So they get the whole family involved to get them doing something but not work related or not school related, which has been really good too.
1: Yeah, It has been kind of interesting to be in different meetings and you see like family members pop up or you get to know their pets and things like that. And this is even beyond kind of your immediate team. It's your clients as well, Mm -hmm. where I feel like um, people are making allowances for one another in terms of in just with everything that's going on. So, um, so, yeah, so Ellen, actually, a question for you. So given all of the economic and political uncertainty right now, how can small business in particular, how can they balance hiring while minimizing some of their financial risk? Well, I think one of the biggest mistakes businesses can
0: make during a time like this is locking themselves into a course of action that they want to stay nimble and flexible themselves. And so it is this balancing act of, do I wait till everything's more certain to hire? And then I may, I I risk stagnating and having competitors leapfrog me. Um, Or do I go ahead and say, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to grow. I'm going to hire people. And then all of a sudden something happens. And now I have all these people that I'm paying for are sitting idle. So one of the things that I've seen businesses do very successfully is tap into this idea, and Stacey referred to the the professional part-time workforce. So who are they and and why is this a good idea? Um, Number one, these are people who are specifically looking for part-time. They tend to be Um, initially a lot of women and moms who have maybe left the workforce after professional career and now are looking to reenter, but in a reduced schedule. Um, What we're seeing now more and more, just not just um, women, but also now men and women who are maybe working full-time and now with the pandemic, with kids home, with elder care, uh, maybe baby boomers are looking to maybe scale back a bit. Mm -hmm. And they're at a time of their lives where this you know, flexibility, reduced schedule um, is more important than the compensation. And they don't necessarily need benefits because they have that through a spouse. So what we're seeing is businesses tapping into this group of people because what's so unique is that because they want specifically part-time, they're not temp workers, they're not a consultant who maybe will give you 10 hours a week and somebody else 10 hours a week. Um, they are dedicated to your business as if they are a full time employee, but yet you get the best of both worlds. They're, you have that dedication, but you can ramp up or ramp or scale down their er- hours based on your business needs. We have a lot of people who are willing to say, okay, yeah, I'll work anywhere from 15 to 30 hours a week. Um, based on what the business um, has in store and what their requirements are. So it is a great way to bring in really top talent, experienced people without having to make a really big investment, you know, during a time where there is a lot of uncertainty. And we saw this back in 2010 when we started the company. Actually, we're getting out of the recession. Companies were afraid to hire, you know, is the government going to shut down? Is the economy really coming back? And people, the companies that took advantage of this kind of strategy were found themselves really much more in a better position to grow and hire back full-time and part-time people when the economy did flourish. So it is a it's a great model and it's something that people can they don't need an agency to find part-time they can you know tap into their own network, they can get the word out, post on Facebook, LinkedIn and uh, find some of these professionals that really can add a lot of value to your organization.
1: So along those lines Ellen, what are some tips or maybe best practices in order to interview and or hired some of those folks as you described?
0: So in terms of hiring them, now we're doing virtual, we're doing these kind of Zoom interviews. And I'll tell you, because we always used to do our interviews live and you lose a little bit of that human connection, like we were talking, I was talking to our HR director who said, you know, even meeting somebody off the elevator and just walking them to the office Mm -hmm. and you just do that little chit chat, what's the weather like? And, you know, how is your traffic? You know, none of that exists anymore. And we're finding in this, these interviewing process, you go right into it. Like there's no, you know, hey, how you doing? Um, And so that can be a little bit awkward in the interview. So what we try to do is, you know, kind of acknowledge that, like, Hey, this is a little bit awkward, and maybe just ask an icebreaker. um, You know what? I don't know what. Have you done Zooms before? What do you think about that? Versus uh, a regular interviewer. Hey, I saw that picture behind you. Have you been to you know uh, New York or or whatever? But some kind of icebreaker that where you can kind of try to have that more human connection between before you get into the specific interview. Um, and then, you know, when we're interviewing now over zoom, we do look for a couple things. We look, has the person prepared, um, have they put some effort in how their appearance, we've had somebody come with wet hair, so, you know, you don't want to do that. We try not to be picky, but, you know, you got to show a little effort. Um, the other thing, the last thing I would say is, which I think is interesting with zoom interviews, we're getting less thank yous after the interview. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's because it's a little bit more casual and people forget, but still sending that quick email to our clients or to us after we do an interview and just, hey, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed that. That goes such a long way. So that tells us a lot about uh, a candidate when you know, we get that kind of feedback. And we see that they've taken the time to prepare.
1: Wow. Yeah. I love that idea of of an icebreaker. I actually have a handful of interviews coming up this week, so I'm going to use that. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, Stacey, so this is all well and good. We find a candidate, we hire them, all this. Are there certain considerations or best practices that we should be thinking about when it comes to having to terminate
2: an employee, given the virtual world that we're in? Um, I think it's a lot of just a lot. You need more compassion about it because you're not doing it right there. You don't know what's going to happen when you hang up with them. You also have a sensitivity that you have to get back a lot of your equipment that you've kind of given to them. Right now, um, when someone terminates, you ask them, you know, to send it back or to return it to the office. But I think it's uh, compassion is the biggest thing because you're going to be doing it. You're not doing it live. You're not in the office. You can't. You know, they can, you just can't give them sort of the care of what's going on. Um, I always feel with any termination, it shouldn't be a surprise unless it's, you have no choice, but it's a business. That's a little bit easier. Um, So continue to have the conversations with people if there's performance issues so that they are being coached before there's a termination. Um, but I think it's it's more the same thing, like what Ellen's saying, even when you're interviewing, you have to, you know, kind of, it's hard, it's so much harder. I mean, you just don't understand what they're thinking on the other side. You can't see the same kind of body language. You can't kind of help them walk out of the office or help them get what they want. You're going to be leaving them. Um, so being careful and being sensitive and compassionate um, with it. Um, and you have to think of all the technical. Like I said, the equipment's a big thing. You want to try to get that back. Um, trying to figure that out on the phone with them again. Most professionals are professional about things like this, mm-hmm. but it's not the same. It's just not the same.
1: Yeah, and to to your point around compassion, you know, we oftentimes we forget about just how much people are dealing with personally, professionally. I mean, this is you know, a, a time and space that none of us have lived through or lived with. And so it's understanding and having that compassion and empathy. And I, I feel like even though we are have we have so much screen time with one another and we are connected through technology, but we're so disconnected in certain regards. And so I think it's so um, thank you for bringing up that, you know, compassion and empathy. I think that's a big thing. So Ellen, just some, some closing thoughts from you in terms of, so where do we go from here? How will COVID change the way that we hire post-pandemic? And, and how can we as, as businesses really prepare ourselves um, for what's ahead of us? Well,
0: I, I think that we're not going to go back to the old way of working. Um, if you look at even big companies now, Microsoft, Twitter, um, Google, Amazon, they've all said, we're not going back to being in the office nine to five, nine to six every day. Now, does that mean we're all going to just always work virtually? I don't think so. I think the the model, which actually we've been doing in our company for years, is that hybrid model of, of you know, being in the office some days, maybe working from home one, two, three days a week. And I've seen, I can't tell you how many people prior to the pandemic said to me, We will never go virtual. Our management doesn't allow it. We don't, then everybody's gonna ask for it. And then nobody's coming in the office and we don't really know if they're working. And those same people will call and say, I was wrong. I love it. And so I think that what that's gonna do, particularly I think for women in the workplace, right now they brunt the shoulder of a lot of these responsibilities. They've got they're working, they've got the kids, they're home and um, but right now, or historically, there has been a flexibility stigma associated with people, particularly women who have asked for flexibility in terms of compensation, in terms of their ability to be promoted. And I think now the pandemic has has expedited this idea of flexible work into the mainstream. And I am really hopeful now that everybody sees the value of it, that whether it's a woman or a man needing flexibility because of balance of their lives, for whatever reason, that there is not going to be that stigma that we've seen in the past. And I'm really hopeful and um, positive about, you know, some of the, um, the good things that are gonna come out of this after all, right? Absolutely, absolutely.